The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to episode 39 of Some Assembly Required, your weekly adventure into the annals of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. This week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 36, The Ultroids Attack. This issue is written by Roy Thomas, art by Don Heck, letters by Sam Rosen, and it's edited by Stan Lee, and it comes to us in January of 1967. Now, before we get too deep into the book here, it is worth noting that the aforementioned Ultroids bear no connection to the well-known Avengers villain Ultron, who we will be introduced to in about 18 issues. So just bear that in mind as we work our way through this issue and next issue. Taking a look at our cover, I really enjoy this cover. It's got a very cool, very Kirby-esque background to it with all the machinery. Yeah, it's all gray, which is a little bit of a downside. But if you look at various points, you get some nice Kirby crackle. And again, very keeping in the Marvel House style of Jack Kirby. I also like the inclusion of Black Widow because it gives the reader a sense that she is in fact a recurring character, which she is becoming. So at the end of last issue, we found Captain America contemplating a number of things in Avengers Mansion when a figure came up from behind him and addressed him, and that's where the issue ended. What we find out in this issue is that character is in fact the Scarlet Witch. That's right, folks, we are finally at the return of the Maximoff siblings, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, which I am very excited about. I have been missing this pair on the book. Well, to be honest, quite a bit. One thing to notice is that Scarlet Witch's costume has changed a little bit in that she is no longer wearing the full wimple headpiece. She now just has the more commonly seen headpiece that just goes around her face, doesn't wrap all the way around her head. Now, getting over his surprise, Captain America quickly notices that Scarlet Witch is here alone, that Pietro, her brother, is not present. And at this point, Wanda starts to break down and starts crying and begins to relay a story to Cap of what's happened and where Pietro is. So if you remember, Wanda and Pietro had gone back to their home country, their hometown, in order to try and regain their powers. After fighting Atuma, both of them had noticed that their powers were weakening. So they decided to go home in an effort to figure out what's going on. And they also had a somewhat tentative theory that maybe their powers were more closely linked with their homeland than they had understood. So they went back and periodically throughout the last several issues, they've been gone we've seen little updates about them but this story picks up telling us that they had regained their full power and they were preparing to depart to come back to the united states and rejoin the avengers when there is a mysterious sound and then a ufo appears over their hometown now keep in mind this is the same hometown the same village that chased wanda and pietro out of town with pitchforks and torches and this is how magneto found them and magneto saved them from this angry mob 
since having become Avengers, the pair have come back and the town has become much more accepting and in fact very apologetic for its previous actions, at least according to this story. Now, what we will find out throughout the course of this story is that the Wanda who is with the Avengers telling the story is in fact not Wanda, but an imposter named Ultrana, who is effectively an Ultroid. We'll get into that in a little bit here. So as Wanda is telling this story, it's key to note that certain little things are just a little bit off. At any rate, Wanda continues with the story and states that this saucer landed just outside of town and that she and Pietro went to go investigate. And Pietro ran off, again, in a very protective manner of his sister, not wanting her to run any risks and wanting to scout ahead to know what's going on. Pietro ran off into the saucer and was trapped. Wanda makes the best use of her powers she can, but she's unable to get into the saucer, so she decides to come back to America and to enlist the aid of the Avengers. Now, there's a few things going on here that I want to talk about before we move forward. First is that the way the saucer looks, initially, I actually thought this might be a return of Kang because the craft bears a lot of similarities to Kang's ship that we saw in issue number eight. Another interesting thing from an art perspective is that once Pietro rushes into the saucer, we see an image of that hatchway from ground level. Wanda's leg is in the middle, which is, now that I look at it, is a little bit weird. But at the same time, that portion of the saucer and the entryway all kind of look like a skull. And I think it gives a, a nice little additional bit of ominous nature. And I think that adds a lot to the story that's being told by Wanda here. Now, like I said, this isn't actually Wanda telling the story. It's this character, Altrana. So I've got to say, though, she does a really good job of making you believe that she's telling the truth, that she is, in fact, Scarlet Witch. One of the things I like the most and I found most convincing is that she very accurately portrayed the relationship between Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. He's very protective of Wanda, and he's just a little impulsive. He runs into the room without 100% thinking it through. Now, one of the other things that helps lend a little bit of credence to Wanda's story here again is she attempts to break into the saucer using her powers. And we're still at a point where Scarlet Witch's powers are kind of nebulous. So she has these hex-based powers, really more of a magic-based power set. But at this point, it actually looks more like she is using some kind of energy beams or energy projections as opposed to probability or magic-based. Scarlet Witch his power set is one of the most difficult to quantify accurately, which is why they kind of had to change things up for the Avengers films. And this story demonstrates that conundrum, but at the same time, that lack of clarity helps Ultrana's story work, because if the details are already fuzzy to start with, or the people she's telling the story who don't fully understand Scarlet Witch's powers, little variations here and there are a lot easier to glaze over and not notice than if if she had a very rigidly defined power set. As Wanda wraps up her story, the rest of the Avengers make their way into where Captain America and Scarlet Witch are. The first to arrive are Hawkeye and Black Widow. And initially, Black Widow suggests that maybe she should leave because this is Avengers business. And then Hawkeye interjects and said, no, I've, I've actually got some Avengers business and I want to offer Black Widow membership. So I can understand where Hawkeye's coming from, right? Black Widow would make a valuable member of the team. Obviously, Hawkeye has a lot of conflict 
confidence, a lot of faith in her, but the rest of the Avengers aren't quite so sold. Captain America falls back to procedure that we need to have some kind of meeting specifically for this. And that actually harkens back to the issue we saw just a couple of weeks ago with Spider-Man Annual Number 3 and them having a special meeting with which to admit Spider-Man as a member. Goliath, on the other hand, gets particularly upset as he walks in just as this suggestion is being made. And he is adamant that because of what had happened only a few weeks ago, and there's an editor's note referencing back to Avengers number 29, where Power Man and Swordsman fought the Avengers at the behest of Black Widow, so that because of this, she does not deserve Avengers membership. And I'll be honest, as far as Goliath's objections are concerned, I'm torn because he's absolutely right that it hasn't been that long since she was fighting against them and leading others against the Avengers. And while she has started to turn around and do things that demonstrate her willingness to have changed and her desire to be a hero as opposed to a villain, she hasn't had all that much time and she hasn't done that much that that necessarily warrants it. Okay, that's fair. On the other hand, though, Goliath was perfectly willing to accept three former supervillains, Hawkeye, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver, into the Avengers when it suited his needs. Remember, the three newer members of the Avengers joined the team because Goliath, Wasp, and Iron Man needed a break. So when Goliath here says that he doesn't want the Avengers turned into a rest home for reformed supervillains, I get what he's saying, but at the same time, he's got a real double standard going here. He's perfectly willing to accept them into the Avengers when it suits his needs, but when someone else suggests it, he gets extremely offended and somehow miraculously has these higher standards that he wants to hold everyone else to. Needless to say, Hawkeye and Goliath once again almost come to blows. This time it's Wasp and Cap that both step in. Wasp gets in Goliath's face and Cap physically restrains Hawkeye. But one of these days, these two are really going to come to blows. There's going to be a point where their teammates won't be enough or their teammates won't be there and these two are going to duke it out. It's certainly at this point only a temporary solution. Now, as all of this is happening, Scarlet Witch gets really upset, gets really worked up. And I think it's it's pretty justifiable here. She's come to her teammates for help in saving her brother and their teammate, and all they can do is squabble amongst themselves. I'm sure to her, it looks like a huge step backwards for the team. The team that she left that was working together so well is suddenly at each other's throats. And she gets really upset about this. Again, keep in mind, this isn't the real Wanda, but it just adds so much to this character's performance. She is absolutely convincing. Again, there are little bits and pieces here that when you look back and you know what you're looking for, you can see holes in her story. But on face value, this is a very, very convincing play. So needless to say, the Avengers get their act together and they head off to Wanda and Pietro's home country, hopefully in time to rescue Pietro. Now the art here, it's cool and it's a little odd. We see the Avengers jumping into their aircraft and taking off and there are four panels at the bottom of this page and what I think is happening is that we get the Avengers jet flying across all four panels and then in the third panel we get just a panel of the jet. What it 
it looks like is the Avengers are taking two different aircraft, but I don't think that's what's actually happening. I think it's just the way the panels are laid out, which is cool. I like the panel layout, but it is a hair confusing. So as the Avengers approach Transia, which is the country that Wanda and Pietro are from, although here's one of those little slip-ups, Ultrana refers to it as the village in which Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are from. Not a big deal, but again, if you know these characters, like their teammates do, that kind of slip-up can be dangerous. So as they approach the village and they're getting really close, at the last second, Wanda notices that there is a nearly invisible force field over the whole village. And the Avengers are only able to just miss crashing into it. And you know what? I'm actually going to go ahead and retract my last statement. There are, in fact, two jets. I just noticed on this page, the subsequent page to what we were just talking about, there are still two jets. So I stand by my statement that it's a little confusing and that it looks cool, but nope, there are, in fact, two jets. Now that they've landed, the Avengers head towards the center of town because this is where the saucer has now moved to. And the saucer has, in fact, actually grown in size, apparently. The Avengers attempt to make their way to the saucer, but again, they run into this force field, which they're unable to penetrate. Cap tries smashing it with his shield. Hawkeye tries to use a blast arrow, which there's a really cool panel of Hawkeye drawing his bow back, getting ready to shoot. And it looks like he's actually shooting at the reader. It's a very, very cool panel. I really like it. But none of these attacks have any effect on the force field. At which point, Wanda suddenly remembers that there is a whole series of caves that go underneath the village and that she and Pietro used to explore as kids. Now, Wanda thinks that it's possible that while the force field extends above ground, it doesn't go below ground. And so they may be able to sneak under the town and then come up somewhere near the center of town through a sewer or something and bypass the force field. Seems like a pretty solid plan. Only as the Avengers make their way through these caverns, eventually they find themselves in this mammoth control room that obviously has come down from the saucer and made its way underground. And they are now in the presence of a giant supercomputer, which will later be named as Ixar. At least that's the pronunciation I'm going with. It's spelled I-X-A-R. So I'm going with a pronunciation similar to the film company Pixar, P-I-X-A-R. If you have a different pronunciation, by all means, let me know. Now, this is a great full page splash panel where we see a significant portion of the control room. Again, it's very, very Kirby-esque. You have the Kirby crackle all over the side. The computer itself looks like it has eyes, which is so cool. And in general, we will see throughout the rest of this issue and into the next issue, Don Heck does a very good job of placing the various components and pieces of machinery in this area to give Ixar a little bit of a sense of a face, right? It's not obvious. It's not, for lack of a better term, hitting you in the face, but it's there for you to notice and for you to get the feel of without being really blind. Latent. Very cool, very subtle. The other thing I'm really enjoying here, especially the last few pages, is the colors. The colors in this issue are just spectacular. The way they do this control room and the way they've done the caves in the last couple of pages, really heavy saturation of color, but it's done in such a way that it fits the scene. The cave is done in these great blues and purples with bits of yellow where light would be reflecting. It's just so good, and I really, really like it. So initially, Hawkeye recommends that the 
Avengers just start tearing this place apart and eventually they'll figure out what's going on. Captain America suggests a little bit more caution. For one, they don't know what any of this stuff does. Two, they don't know where Quicksilver is and they don't really know what else is going on. And then suddenly they notice there is a gentleman hooked up to a whole mess of machinery and Scarlet Witch identifies him as the Burgomeister of the village. A Burgomeister, the literal translation means master of the town and they are usually the chief magistrate or executive of a city although occasionally that title has been used to describe a head of state for something like a city state like a lot of the small german principalities back in the 17 and 1800s the term is most closely related to like a modern mayor and we actually saw the burgermeister earlier in the issue when i mentioned that the town was apologizing to scarlet witch and quicksilver for their behavior in the past specifically it's the burgermeister who's giving that apology to them. As the Avengers are trying to figure out what's going on and what's up with the Burgermeister, is he okay? The computer starts to talk to them, introduces himself as Ixar, and states his purpose, that he is here to obtain the superpowers of the Avengers, and that he's already collected two. And as we see, it is Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. At this point, Captain America reveals that he's had some sneaking suspicions this whole time, and the last straw being the knowledge of the caves that was just a little too convenient. So like I said, this character Ultrana gave a convincing performance for the most part, but not entirely. There are little bits and pieces that don't quite add up. Her extra powers, the caves, her misspeaking of the name of the country, little things add up. Now that she is revealed to no longer be the actual Scarlet Witch, Ultrana transforms back into her, I guess, normal state, which is this orangey yellow, kind of an orange juice colored skin green eyes, white hair, and although I would have liked to have seen more of the transformation here, we really just focus on the character's face. I do like the fact that the Scarlet Witch's cowl now becomes Ultrana's hairline. It's just a nice little touch. Now, of course, since Ultrana has been revealed and Ixar has spilled the beans, at least with regards to his overall plan, there's really no need for subtlety anymore. So Ixar calls out his Ultroids, which are these, again, yellowy-orange creatures, where Ultrana's a very feminine and attractive looking character the ultroids are very golem looking big block builds and it kind of fits their characters too they're kind of these large semi-mindless automaton soldiers in this case they're robots instead of a stone warrior but it's the same kind of idea and these creatures advance on the avengers now in the avengers defense they are really game really quick i'm actually a little impressed by how quickly the avengers are ready to spring into action given how quickly the situation has kind of flipped on them. And to start with, the Avengers make some really impressive progress. The Ultroids obviously have the numerical superiority, but that doesn't really seem to do them a whole lot of good for a substantial amount of time, at least until the Ultroids are able to go with a more divide and conquer. There's a whole page of Captain America fighting here that looks absolutely spectacular, but the end result is that Captain America falls through some floor plates that 
open up into a pit below and they blast him with shockwaves to knock him unconscious. So Captain America is taken out of the fight. The Ultroids very nearly initially take out Hawkeye, who is up on a ledge taking shots at Ultroids from a distance. And he hears a bunch of them sneaking up on him. And unfortunately, Hawkeye, being Hawkeye, is a little bit too cocky and he almost pays for it. They get a hold of him and he's only just saved by Goliath attacking the Ultrons and batting them away from him. Right, Hawkeye fails to anticipate how quickly these Ultroids can move and it almost costs him. Now, speaking of costing them, because of his actions in saving Hawkeye, Goliath is shot in the back with a stun blast. Wasp attempts to free Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, right, increasing the odds in the Avengers' favor by adding two teammates. But when she goes to mess with the controls, she gets electrocuted. Well, she gets shocked. Electrocution is actually the term for death by electric shock. So Wasp is not dead, but I do really like that. I think the booby trap controls is a nice touch. I like it when the villains have some level of foresight and they don't act like complete morons. We've seen the Avengers sneak in and manipulate the controls on more than one occasion without having any kind of problems or any kind of consequences. So I appreciate the fact that the villain here, Ixar, has enough foresight to anticipate that inevitability. So at this point, of the actual Avengers, Hawkeye is the only one left. And the Ultroids quickly back him into a corner, but they don't seem to be all that eager to come after him. And Hawkeye picks up on this, realizes that he's got to be standing in front of something delicate or important. So he turns around and fires an arrow into what we find out is a water pipe, which then bursts and takes out most of the Ultrons surrounding him. Now, at this point, it seems to me that Hawkeye's best option is to retreat and to go for some kind of guerrilla tactics. Taking on the Ultroids head on at this point is a really poor idea for him because he is outgunned and he's outnumbered. Again, Hawkeye is just a guy with a bow and arrow. There's a lot of these big robots and they're all better armed. Unfortunately, Hawkeye doesn't realize this, take advantage of this time, and he is almost immediately caught in a net. So at this point, it appears that all of the Avengers have been captured. However, Black Widow is still on the loose. And Black Widow has a theory that because she's not an Avenger, that the Ultroids were not programmed to come after her, and she needs to take advantage of this situation. So while I just said that Hawkeye should have gone and and gone for something like a guerrilla tactics, hit and run kind of deal. Here, Black Widow does something fairly bold in that she approaches the soul Ultroid who is guarding Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, pretends to have been sent by Ixar, and then stuns the Ultroid. Admittedly, it is a risk for Black Widow to do this because she at this point is the only person left. And much like I was just talking about with Hawkeye, she's outgunned and outnumbered. But being the super spy that Black Widow is, She's not going for a frontal assault, a head-on attack. Yes, she's doing something that is bold and risky, but it is far more suited to her abilities than just attacking all of the Ultroids and getting captured herself. So I think that's a good decision on her part. It's also worth noting that Black Widow's earrings have two giant Bs on them, and the clasp on her cape has a giant W, just in case we forgot who she was. Now, with the Ultroid guarding Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver knocked out, Black Widow begins to investigate the controls that are holding them captive. She knows what happened to Wasp, so she is tentative on how to initially act. And while she is determining 
what she needs to do, she is surprised by Captain America. As it turns out, Cap was able to use his shield to escape from the pit that he was in before the Ultroids came to collect him, and so now he's kind of on the run, and he has paired up with Black Widow. Good plan. Now, just as Captain America and Black Widow are getting ready to further investigate, bypassing these controls and freeing their teammates, Ixar realizes that the Ultroid, who is guarding Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, has lost communication with him, has become an operative, so he sends the other Ultroids to investigate because obviously something is wrong. Cap and Black Widow realize that something is up and that their time is running out, and again, instead of fleeing and trying to fight another day, Cap takes a very bold action throws his shield at Scarlet Witch's tube, manages to crack it, but in the process, he and Black Widow are stunned by the Ultroids, and this is where we'll leave off this issue, with all of our Avengers captured or otherwise incapacitated. So that's our issue. It's a pretty good issue. I enjoyed it quite a bit. A lot of action. The art is fantastic. I'm actually just looking at this last page. There is a panel that's kind of in shadow of Captain America and Black Widow, but Captain America isn't entirely in shadow. All the blue on his uniform and his gloves and boots are all in shadow, but the white on his sleeves, the white A on his mask, and the red and white stripes at his abdomen are still colored, and it's a very cool effect. I really like it. Again, this is just a very good-looking book this week. In general here, I would say that the Avengers have overall been a little too aggressive in their tactics this issue. On more than one occasion here, it would have been far more prudent for them to regroup, retreat, or at least change tactics and they just failed to change. They failed to adapt. At the end of the issue here, we can see that they paid for it. In general, I have come to expect more out of the Avengers, especially Captain America, and I'm a little disappointed to see them fail at something like this so completely. Having said that, again, it's still a good issue. It's still really fun. It's still action-packed, and it looks great. There's not much more that you can ask for out of an issue of comics. Remember, you can find us at AvengersAssembly.com, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you'd like to be a part of the conversation, send your questions and comments to Andrew at AvengersAssembly.com. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at Avengers number 37 to conquer a colossus. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, Let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. You ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it.